Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. These are the readings for Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. The first reading comes from Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, beginning at the first verse. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and the signs of the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The second reading comes from Romans chapter 8 verses 20 through 22 through 27. 
beginning at the 22nd verse. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Gospel comes from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, and chapter 16, verses 4b through 15. Jesus said, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Well, grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It is Pentecost, the culmination of 50 days of celebrating Easter. The risen Christ, now ascended into heaven, sends the promised gift of the Holy Spirit to an expectant church and to all those he leaves behind to carry on his work. It is that spirit that gives us power and the necessary gifts to carry the news of Jesus to the far ends of the earth. And for all of those reasons, it's also why we consider Pentecost the birthday of the church. It's when it all started. 
But instead of putting flames atop the cake, the Holy Spirit puts flames atop the apostles. And instead of singing happy birthday and hearing that lovely song, the apostles hear the sound of rushing wind. And instead of actually getting drunk and celebrating their birthday, they only appear to be drunk because they are babbling in every possible language. But before all of that, before the speaking in tongues, before the wind, before the fire, the scene of Pentecost was set with a single simple sentence. They were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. Which seems like a pretty monumental feat all by itself, especially when you consider the diversity of the crowds. Medes, Elamites, Parthenians, Judeans, all the rest. Just getting all those different people, different nationalities, different opinions, different lives, just getting all of those people together in one room, that alone makes a good story about unity. Just getting everyone all together in one place. The story might be able to stop there. But it doesn't. The story doesn't end there because if you've ever gone through tough times in a relationship, you know it's entirely possible to be all together in one place and to not be in the same place at all. There's something more that Jesus wants for those who follow him. Something more than just being together. It reminds me of a karate tournament I was at for my older son when he was about eight years old. <laughs> One of the kids on the team was rifling through his bag and he realizes in a panic that he's forgotten his headgear, which you have to have in a karate tournament. So the coach says to another little boy on Garrett's team, hey, Zach, can Aiden borrow your headgear? And Zach considers the request for a second, and then he says uh, very, very politely, no, thank you. <laughs> and within seconds, Zach's dad reaches into his son's bag, pulls out the headgear, and hands it to Aiden. And Zach says to his dad, but I said no politely. To which his dad said, polite doesn't matter, he's your teammate. Sitting next to someone doesn't make them your teammate. Politely coexisting with someone doesn't make them your teammate. Likewise, sitting in these church pews together doesn't make us church. Having polite conversation and eating cupcakes between services doesn't make us church. It takes something more. It takes sharing sweaty headgear, sharing blood, sweat, Tears, mission. It takes a willingness to be uncomfortable, to give of ourselves so much so that someone else might have everything they need to be a part of this team. Being church, being in Christian relationship with our family and friends is, and neighbors is more than being together all in one place. So the Pentecost story continues. They were all together in one place, and then. And then, suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Not only that, but even more than the ability to speak in each other's language. The text will go on to say that people on the outside of this house who were just observing 
could understand in a single language what all of these diverse languages were saying. That is the kind of relationship Jesus intends for us, where we not only share a space, but we share a language. We can hear each other. Notice, it does not say that they all became one nationality. They didn't give up their opinions, their history. Heaven forbid their politics. What the Holy Spirit was able to do to make them church to give them the power to serve together, the ability that he gave them was simply to hear each other in their own languages. And that gave them the kind of relationship that was able to move beyond polite coexistence. It gave them the ability to dream dreams together, to see a vision of the future together, to prophesy to the world together. What a great moment. What a great moment for the church. And what a great moment in our personal lives when our relationships are so blessed that they have that kind of Holy Spirit unity in them, even for a moment. What a great moment when we who follow Jesus are able to be all together in one place and really in one place. But it is just a moment in time. And moments don't last forever. Especially not with people who happen to be humans and have human natures. I remember as soon as the tournament was over, I said to Garrett, I'm so glad Zach ended up sharing his headgear with Aiden. And Garrett says, me too. I didn't want to have to share mine with him. So gross. No wonder we need the Holy Spirit. Our natures push us to be far more comfortable with coexistence that does not ask a whole lot of us. So if moments don't last, why keep bringing them up? Why remember this moment year after year? Why keep harassing you poor people who wear red? Why have just a tiny meal together every week? Why just put a little bit of water on a baby's head? Why these singular moments and why do we keep needing to relive them year after year after year? What is the power of a moment for those who follow Jesus? What is the gift in a Pentecost moment like this one we read about? Growing up, we, uh, we lived in a little working class neighborhood in East Moline, Illinois, the kind of neighborhood that didn't have sidewalks on it because it was never busy enough to need a sidewalk. You could just ride your bike down the street. It's the kind of neighborhood where you knew things about each other. Even the kids knew things about each other. Somehow you just knew them. Like we knew that there was this little old couple in a tiny brick house at the end of 12th Street that had a little koi pond in their backyard. And my dad ruined my whole memory of this because I was talking to him about it. And I had this vision of this beautiful Japanese koi pond. He said, oh yeah, it was an old septic tank. Can't tell that in church. Anyway, it was a koi pond, a beautiful Japanese koi pond. Anyway, all of us kids knew. We knew that if you went to the back door of this little brick house and you knocked politely, a tiny little old woman would come to the back door and she'd see that it was kids. And so she'd go and she'd grab a little tiny cup of fish food. And we knew that if you took that fish food and you went out and you fed the fish in the koi pond and then you came back and you politely knocked again, 
and handed her the empty cup, she would give you in return this tiny, chewy caramel candy. And my brother and sister and I would ride our bikes to their house all the time to, to fulfill this little chore for them and get our candy. But one day, my sister was headed down to feed the fish, and I don't remember why I can't even, I have no idea why I couldn't go that week. I think it might have been the time I had a concussion and I wasn't supposed to be riding bikes, but it could have just been that I was naughty that day and wasn't allowed to go. I don't have the foggiest idea, but I just remember not being allowed to go and being so, so sad that I didn't get to go along. And so I sat on the back porch pouting and just loathing my big sister as she rode away. And I was still sitting there when she rode back up 15 minutes later and stopped her bike in front of me. And I watched her, you know those bikes when we were kids, they had those little foam, foam wrappers around the handlebars. And I watched her pop it off. She shook out a little chewy caramel candy. And she didn't put it in her own mouth. Instead, she handed it to me. Such an insignificant little moment. But I have always remembered it. It has always stuck with me. It has always stayed there. And I have no idea why it has stayed with me all these years. Unless it has stayed with me because our relationship hasn't always been easy. The relationship with my sister has just been fought, fraught with fights, jealousy, at, le at least on my end, frustration, times when we have lived really far apart, even when we were in the same house. But even still, there's that moment reminding me of what our relationship can be. That is the power of this Pentecost moment. That is the power of these Holy Spirit moments that you are given in your relationships and in this church. That's why we return to it every year. It's why we eat the cupcakes. It's why we wear the red. It's why we put out the banners so that it stays with us because it is hard to be in relationship not only in this place, but with each other. And it is longer than a moment that those times are difficult. And it reminds us of what the Holy Spirit can do in our relationships, in our church. We come back to these moments so that we can remember that Jesus wants more from us and for us than polite coexistence. So that when we leave this place and go back out there, this moment can hold us all together in one place, even when we are not. Pentecost says to us, says to you, every year, no matter the relationships lost or hurt, no matter how weary you are to get back to work with your brothers and sisters of faith, no matter how little you think you have left in the tank to give, the Holy Spirit comes with its fire and its power in this story every year and says, pick up your heart and give it one more try. So we remember, brothers and sisters, what we have been, and it will give us the power to get there again and again 
to share this good news. Thanks be to God for Jesus. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.